Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church, Goodyear, Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. As a child, I had several events that affected me deeply and affected my ability to have a relationship with everyone, including Jesus. While in elementary school, I was sexually abused by a female babysitter. And my younger brother died the day before birth, which deeply wounded my entire family, especially my mother, and our family's relationship with God. I didn't have a way at that age to deal with the things around me, and it was outwardly manifested in getting in trouble. I self-mutilated, I fought, I committed crimes, ultimately landing me in juvenile treatment facilities. I found people to help me move past some of the issues and started to move on with my life. But the underlying spiritual conflicts were still there. I got a college scholarship to play baseball, but blew out my shoulder. I started a business that grew and was successful, and I started to think I had life all figured out. Success would equal happiness, and I was smart, so I only needed me. Then I went broke at 24, and I was totally lost. So I went on a journey to understand how it all went wrong for me. I hadn't been successful at anything, including relationships, and I went back to college and tried to find something I could truly build my life upon. I studied philosophy. I had to find a logical reason to believe in God. Was it true or not? I had to know. I went down every wrong path you hear preached here. I tried to repent, but I kept holding on to things. God couldn't forgive me for all. I sold God short time and again on this journey. But through the love of my wife and friends, I learned to love and trust Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus and the things I could never see or feel before started to reveal themselves to me. I could build on Jesus. I started to give up the things that were separating me from God and those I love. It isn't perfect, and I fail many times a day to be the person, man, father, and husband I want to be, but I found a peace and joy in the ways of the Lord. I count my blessings of an amazing family and wife, two amazing sons, two wonderful daughters. My blessings far outweigh anything I deserve, and for all of this, I thank the Lord. I'm Pastor Audrey, and I'm one of the uh, associate pastors on the preaching team here at Compass Church, and I want to share some things with you real quick before we get started. Number one, it's not a coincidence that you're here. It's by the faithfulness of a holy God who's orchestrated before all that is to be in this moment. He's orchestrated all of these things so that you are here in this moment. Today, we're going to be talking about this concept or this idea of resiliency, and this is what you got to know. I got issues. I got real issues. So I don't come before you as someone who's got anything accomplished or has arrived at any crescendo of faith. I come to you as a flawed individual who God has in the last three months had me in this cauldron of life. Maybe you know what I mean. Last three months have been crazy. I like how the young folks sometimes say it. Sometimes my students at the school say it. It's been cray cray. (laughs) It has been crazy the last three months of my life. Let me just give you a quick synopsis. My family has been tremendously attacked. We have dealt with not one, but two open heart surgery situations. My family has been attacked 
with mental illness. Another one within my family had a heart attack and still waiting to see what comes of that as care is being provided to that individual. And what I come to realize, I come to realize that there's a lot of people who say a lot of things that are just not true. And there are a lot of well-intended people. There are a lot of holy people who say some things that are not positive or true. And so today I want to talk about some things that God has shown me through his word that are true. One of the misnomers, one of the misnomers that has hit me is the whole idea of God is not going to give you more than you can handle. Now, when people say that to me, and I've used it in the past until these last three months, they're well-intended, and I was well-intended when I would share that with someone in their time of distress. But the truth be told, life brings you more than you can handle. And there are many times in life where your resource is expended, your know-how doesn't meet sufficiency to handle the trial that you have faced. And so where are you? At these times, you might sit back and say, this is where my faith is forged. And hence, in this time, my faith is grown. As Paul would say in Philippians, I'm confident of this, that he that begins a good work, maybe this comes to be true. But at the end of the day, it's all cray-cray. At the end of the day, you don't know which way is up. You don't necessarily know which way is down. But the one thing you do know, if you are here in this moment, guess what? We are still standing. As Christians, we are still standing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that you give me to be with my family here at this church. Now, I pray a couple things. Number one, that you be patient as we try to reconcile the truth of your word with this world that we live in. I pray that you be patient as you are forging a development of our faith, as you indeed are creating us to be resilient. I pray that you allow us the space, Lord, as you continue to leave the breadcrumbs of life that ultimately leave a trail of your glory. I pray, Lord, just be patient as we come to identify these breadcrumbs. And as we take them, Lord, as we have sustenance because of who you are, because of your faith, and because of your, your power, Lord, let us forever forever give you the glory by becoming resilient. That is to say, bounce back as life seemingly tries to knock us off. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Brother Tim, over the last few weeks, has been very transparent. And one of the things that I'd like to share with you as a family is, is always be in prayer for your pastors and ministers because they're people. The only difference is the, the calling that they've been given. In fact, truth be told, and I, it's painful, but it seems to be true that, can you guys hear me okay? Okay. It seems that God displays his children in ways so that his glory can be shown through the lives and experiences of his children. Now, this is where it gets really, really uncomfortable. A lot of times, he promotes his children up 
to allow them to be torn down so that which remains is for his glory in his name's sake. Man, what I just said, I can't repeat it because I don't fully understand it. And so it plays out practically something like this. In God's perspective of making us resilient, the condition that we live in is a flawed condition to include our own flaws that God has to work within us to take something that is broken and to make it into something that's beautiful. Man, that's amazing. But truth be told, it hurts, don't it? The last three months of my life have been crazy. I haven't been attending church like I should. I'm gonna be transparent. Two weeks ago, Brother Tim pulled out the, the church attendance card. Do you remember that if you were here? Hit me to the quick. I'm sitting back at home and dealing with my own issues and I'm watching the sermon and I'm thinking, I'm okay, I'm, I'm being holy. And he's speaking right to me. And then he talked a little bit about something last week about this idea of, you remember when he was being transparent? He was talking about not being as radical as he used to be. Man, I got to tell you, before tonight, before tonight, I went through my address book and I invited as many people as I can. You know why? Because I ain't the only one hurting. Don't take my word for it. Open up your Bibles. Open up your Bibles. We're going to be doing some work here. First Corinthians to continue on this series of resiliency. First Corinthians chapter, chapter 10. Let's go on start from verse 12 through 13, and so reads God's holy, life-giving, life-sustaining, infallible word. Starting with verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Just let that marinate. No temptation has overtaken you that which is not common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Not the smartest man in the place. I had to go back and do some research. And so one of the things that I sought to do is to define this word resiliency. You know, being a military reserve chaplain, the military talks a lot about resiliency, and they connote the idea of being fit for the fight. That is to say, in a time of war to protect the freedoms that this country so much enjoys, we have to be diligent and be ready. Well, that's a perspective of resiliency, but I'm not quite sure that that plays it all out. And so I went to Noah Webster Dictionary, which you can find online, mind you. And I appreciate the Noah Webster Dictionary, the 1828 version, because the impetus in which words are defined are from a Christian foundation. And so once upon a time when our dictionary that we so much need and use, it has Christian origins in the author who constructed thereof. And so I like to go back and see what the perspective is. And this is what it says. The act of leaping or springing back or the act of rebounding as the resilience of a ball or sound. Well, again, I confess that I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but this idea of rebounding presupposes that there's going to be some knocking around. It presupposes that there's going to be times in life where I'm hit this way, that way, 
this way, that way, but yet in the core understanding of what resiliency means, it speaks of this idea of fortitude. This idea of being steadfast, this idea of being founded no matter what befalls you in life. If you're here today in this moment, up under God's word, you're still standing. And when you leave this place, you're still standing. Hallelujah. At the end of the day, the difference between the Christian testimony versus any other testimony is is that our testimony is not founded on the merits of what some might define as a good way of life. In fact, it's quite the opposite because the life that we are posturing ourselves for is a life eternal. It's not a life in this temporal time and space. And so when we think about this world and all of its issues, guess what? We embrace the foundation that's in our Lord Jesus Christ. We empower ourselves to know that we're still standing. And guess what? We keep it moving. We keep it moving. Because that's what Jesus did. Amen? Amen. Somebody say amen. Is that good? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So we look at that scripture. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overcome you That is not common to man. Now, the one thing that hit me in this whole thing is a human condition. What Paul presupposes is is that number one, and the word temptation in the English kind of falls short for what's being implied. We are, it's trial. And what Paul is saying is, is that within the human condition, there are some trials that are going to come. And all by the way, what he is really saying to the members of the church is, is that your trial is not uncommon to humanity. Now, when I was researching this, I'm like, oh my goodness, it changed my paradigm because the last three months when my world was cray-cray, I felt like I was the only one getting crushed. Thank God for my wonderful and beautiful wife. Because when we were in the thick of it, when we were in the thick of it, oh, let me me jump the gun for a minute. Without the trial, you don't get to see the diamonds that you have around you. What? 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 Without the trial, you don't see the diamonds that you have around you. You can't bounce back. You don't have the parameters of people who are helping you bounce back until the trial comes. Oh, man, what? What? We live in a sinful world, a sinful condition. Self-awareness is key, isn't it? You know, for a moment when I was thinking about some of those things, I almost, guys, I almost, being honest with you, I almost said, why me? I almost said, why me? But I know better. I know better. I know, I know enough to know that, that growth comes through struggle, right? I, I know enough that, that when I'm having an ease of living, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that I'm being blessed or not being blessed, because God's not limited to my ease of living. Um, I'm, I'm also thinking, and I'm thinking of this idea of what resiliency means, I'm also thinking that as life throws its curveballs at me, some seeking to take me out, I am wondering what I have to stand on, and at the end of the day, it keeps coming back to my faith. At the end of the day, it keeps coming back to my faith. And so when I hear people say, God's not gonna give you more than you can handle, that, although well-intended, is not the core understanding of this section of scripture. Oh, let's read the rest of it. This gets so good, guys. Oh, this gets so good. 
No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So what you're dealing with, what your trial is, someone else has dealt with it, you're not by yourself. You're not by yourself. That is really, really good to know. Because sometimes in the midst of it, when you feel like you're by yourself, guess what? You have to open your eyes to see who's around you. That's another thing that God has for us. It brings a lot of light to the, the scripture when I think about, I think about Hebrews 4, uh, uh, around 15, when it talks about the high priest that we have who's been tempted in every way that we are yet to be found without sin. My God knows exactly the cauldron or the crucible that I've been in. He knows exactly, in fact, the truth be told, sovereignly, he's allowed it to be. Oh, okay, 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 okay. A lot of people have issues with God because they think that the negative things that happen in this world, God is merciless. I'm trying to tell you his love is greater than your weak understanding. Because here's the deal. You say you want freedom. God allows our activities to play out to consequence. But yet in that he transcends himself in our muck, right? And we create some muck, don't we? I make some of the best mud pies there is. I dare you to test me at it. I break stuff every day, intentionally. And yet God, in his grace and love for me, transcends to my muck, and he lifts me up for his namesake, for his glory. And this is a part that I don't fully understand. That when I have the benefit of hindsight of looking back, I've been blessed. I don't, okay, so he gets the glory. I don't know the fullness of what that means. He gets the glory, but yet I've been, I've been blessed. And so what Paul was telling the members of the church, because the members of the church were really struggling with idolatry. In many different ways it played out. And a lot of that idolatry was predicated on the simple fact of woe is me. And, and, and Paul was like, yo, yo, what you're dealing with is not uncommon to human beings and what they deal with. In fact, be told, because of the sinful condition of humanity, what you're dealing with is common. Don't get it twisted. Church, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're dealing with now, but you're not by yourself, and God is not surprised by it. You have to press into him now so that you can see the way that he has provided for you to come through it. Somebody say amen. Another thing that I'm learning, because I don't have the benefit of hindsight yet. I told you I'm still in the process. It's still fresh. I'm still learning. A trial takes away your strength. And I'm like, oh man, I hate being weak. I hate being weak. I want to be strong. I want to be strong. I want to stand. I want to be powerful. But the reality is, is I can't be strong and at the same time allow God to grow me. It doesn't happen that way. And if it were to happen that way, I would misidentify God's growth versus my own strength. And so what I'm finding out is, is I'm finding out that every single trial that befalls me or my family, every single trial, this is what's crazy. I'm about to say it. I can't believe I'm about to say it. Everything that comes to me is designed specifically for guess who? Me. <laughs> what? 
The trial that you are dealing with in your life has been custom designed in the condition of a sinful world so that God can come to the aid and groom and grow you out of that situation. Did you hear Tony's testimony? This is what's crazy. He doesn't have a testimony unless God allows it to be. And so the very individuals who share like stories, you come to realize, guess what? I'm not by myself. And then as we come to see in Scripture, as Paul talked about to the members of the church in Ephesus chapter 4, we have this thing called the body. And we come to understand that through like experiences, through different giftedness and talent, through the same conviction and one spirit of Jesus Christ, we are powerful to go out in a world that's fallen apart and we can stand for something. That is, we can take all the broken pieces and we can help lift them up and say, you know what, God's got me and because God's got me, I got you. I got you. Amen. The one biggest thing that I've learned in the last three months is that I'm not by myself. This church has connection groups. My connection group has been a foundation second to my wife in my life these last three months. Are you part of a connection group? Or are you fooling yourself to think that you're resilient on your own? Because there's a difference between the resiliency that God seeks to grow in you and make you versus how you think you're sustaining the trials of life. There's a difference. One is forever. Wow. Guys, this is so real. This is so real. The second point is the nature of temptation. Now, the English rendering in some translations, um, when we think about temptation and we think about testing, we have, to, we have to unpack that a little bit. And so let me unpack the difference between the two so that we can go forward in the understanding of the context here. Okay, a temptation usually is something that comes at us for our harm. That's usually a temptation, okay? And there are many factors that play into how that temptation derives. Sometimes your own sin, sometimes the fact that we live in a sinful world. There are not good things out there. But then we have this other concept called the test. And the test is by a sovereign God's design where he will allow things to play out to move you from your position to a position of growth. You see the difference between the two? Some people say it like this, the devil tempts, but God tests. Well, in this section of scripture, the nature of the temptation, the trial is the right rendering. And we come to understand some things about the, the trials that we face. Number one, and I said it, and this is very important, it's common to humanity. It's common to humanity. This is really, really important because what Paul was connoting to the members of the church there is he wanted them to understand that no matter how dark their lives were, God in his sovereignty still had control. What we have to know about God is, is that God is the one that puts limitations on the things that seemingly, seemingly, from our perspective, seemingly are there to harm us. Man, that is very crazy to me because when I think about the things that are looking to affect me and my family to the negative, 
I look at it as being something that has no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That has, has its own autonomy. That's it. But that's not, that's not it. Because what the believer understands is the believer understands and what Paul was sharing to the members of the church is, is that you need to stop looking at these idols that don't take care of you and you need to look at the true God because he is the one who will take care of you. And he has. And so sometimes it's almost like this practical understanding and it hits me as I'm standing before you is, is that when we face trials, keep your eyes off the trial and put them on God. Put them on God. Because what happens is, is when you put your eyes on the trial, the trial becomes big. And before you know it, you're engrossed by the trial. And guess what? You're a victim. Why? Because of the trial. And your faith is weakened. Why? Because you didn't trust the one who was sovereign over it. Paul's encouragement was, is keep your eyes on God. Temptation is not unique. Another thing is that trials are not sovereign. Only God is. Trials are not sovereign. No matter how big and how bad you're dealing with, whatever you're dealing with, guess what? It does not own you, it does not define you, and it does not run your life. God does. You feel me? God does. But, say again. Uh Uh-oh, come on now. Come on now. Hallelujah, come on now. Faith. Faith. Same author, Paul, different church in Rome, chapter 12, 3 and 4. He talks about that measurement of faith that we've all been given. He warns the same kind of warning, don't think yourself too haughty. But you need to project yourself and live in accordance to the faith that you've been given. Man, I'm telling you, somebody's going to get right tonight. Because this message is for somebody. This message is for somebody who is here because they're at their wit's end because that which they're dealing with has overcome them. But for whatever reason, no, we know the reason, God empowered you to be here, to be under his word so you can be fortified to know that your trial is not greater than you and God is what? In control. All the time, every time. You know, idolatry, we tend to think of idolatry as something that we are gravitated to. Yeah, that's true. But then there are some things that we see in life that befall us that are in front of us that we focus on so much that they become our idols. We've got to be very careful. Trials are not sovereign. I like how he says it. Therefore, if anyone thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. The third point, and this is very, very important. Very, very important. Believer, very, very important. God is faithful. If you're here, if you're here tonight and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, one of the things I want you to take with you out of here is that God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. The truth be told, you don't pursue him, he pursues you. Don't get it twisted. If you go back and look through the inventory of your life and you see the breadcrumbs that God has laid for your life to bring you to this moment, you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, will know that there is a God. You will know. You might not fully know what he is orchestrating through your life at the very moment, but up until this moment, you can see the breadcrumbs, right? You remember the wilderness, right? In the wilderness, when God would come on the scene in an amazing way, he would have them build monuments or altars. Why did he do that? So that the generations to follow would remember. Well, what does that look like? Well, if I'm here and God shows up on the mark and all of a sudden I don't know where God is, but 
but, but he showed up here, I go back here, now I have a trajectory, don't I? Because if I lost sight of God at this point, if I go back to the last point that I saw God, and I see the point that I just retreated from, I see that there's a direction. That's how God does it. It's amazing, he's so patient. And so the trials that he engineers, he allows these trials to be such that we think from our own human perspective and resource are gonna overtake us, but he's like, yo, no, I got you because I'm gonna provide a way for you. I'm gonna take you in a direction, I'm going to chart your course in such a way that's going to bring you in greater relationship with me. You will be able to properly esteem who I am because the nature of how you got here won't be based on your own strength. Resiliency. Testimony at its fundamental core is an illustration of resiliency. That is to say how God took you from where you are to where you are now, amen? Praise God, right? Amen, amen. We're still standing. We get to worship and we get to do it proudly and freely because God is worth all of it, amen? I don't even know how I'm doing on time. I can't even see back. Okay, there we go. All right. Oh, God's so good. God is faithful. All right, I want to try something, guys. I want everybody to close their eyes. And I'm going to trust that everyone's going to do it. Everybody close their eyes. One of the things that I was trying to come up with in my own understanding is, is how do I come to reconcile this idea of God being faithful? What does that really mean to, to what does it really mean to Andre? And as I was thinking on it and meditating on, on that idea, this psalm kept screaming out in me. Maybe, and, you, and you've heard it before. It's not going to be new to your ears, but maybe David was on to something. So I want you to close your eyes. And remember, when we say God is faithful, maybe this is exactly what it means from Scripture. Close your eyes. Here we go. A psalm of David. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He what? Restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, guess what? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Man, David, is this what you mean? When you say God is faithful, is this what you're saying? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Open your eyes. Do you believe that? Do you truly believe it? Because life is going to bring trials to you where you're going to have to rest in it. And your belief will not be fortified and developed until you come to the end of yourself to begin to know the beginning of God's grace and mercy. Amen? Hallelujah. God is faithful. Golly, I'm all broken up. Goodness. Must be these lights. Gosh, allergic, allergic. I got to talk to Brother Tim about them lights, dude. All right. Finally, and probably the most profound and most important, is God creates resilience in you. 
Resiliency in and of itself is not a goal that we can find. It's something, it's something that comes as a result of our faith, of our willingness to abide in the direction and directives and instruction that God gives us. Resiliency is something that God creates in us. Resiliency is what is necessary to move from one space to another space in a condition that is sinful. On our own, we can't handle. We can't handle sin. It would overtake us. But in that situation, during that trial, God remains faithful. And in his faithfulness, he creates a stick to to bring us through that which seeks to snuff us out. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to succumb to it, that you would be able to fall by the wayside, that you will be able to be broken. Now, what does the scripture say? What? Say it, church. That is a message that the world needs to hear. What does it mean that God is faithful? What does it mean that he will give you a way out of any situation that you might endure for his name's sake? That is your testimony. Amen. Timeless truth. I always like this part of the message because when you go through God's word and you study its meaning and context and how it applies to your life, you come to find out that Man, there's a whole lot you didn't know, really. You know what I mean? Somewhere between the cognitive and the experiential, there's a gap, right? And I like to think that God is gracious and his Holy Spirit fills in that gap. But I got I to gotta tell you, I got to tell you, whenever we seek to follow God and live out the precepts that he has set in our life, you're going to find out that the ambassadors of righteousness that Paul talked about, that we are to be in Christ Jesus, you'll see that when we live out our ministry, when we live out our relationship in front of people of Jesus Christ, not only do we promote the resiliency that God has in us, but we also promote the most essential thing as believers we could ever promote, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the fact that we serve a God who is worthy, who is worthy, and he's taken us who are unworthy, and he's made us worthy, and he's done it through the blood of his son, Jesus. I dare you to find another story as great as that. I dare you, you won't. And if your life is part of that story that's being carried out, how dare you not share it? How dare you? But, (laughs) this is where it gets good. But, if this idea of resiliency has permeated any part of your heart and mind, and you come to realize that although my life might not be the best, I'm still standing to have life, then you go out and shout from the rooftops because you know your life is precious. And you know that the God you serve, the God you serve, got you. He's got you, amen? He's got you, God's got me. He's got me, when I didn't think he had me, guess what? He's got me. When I was trying to jump out of his hand, guess what? He kept hold of me. When I thought I had no resource and was going to fall away, he provided for me, amen? Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, is our provider. So what? The timeless truth. You might not have heard a thing that I had to say, but I want you to take this home with you. 
one of the juggernauts of the faith, a scholar, writes it this way. The Lord, now I underlined some things because I want these to resonate. The Lord is the sure guardian of his people. If you belong to God, guess what? He's got you. Under whose protection you are safe. So when you see something looking to cause you harm, if God's got you, guess what? That harm, thanks for playing. Because God's got you. But it's ebbing closer to take out my life. No, no, no. God's got you. Be strong. God's got you. For he never leaves his people destitute. What? When I'm broken? He said he's got me, but when I'm broken and I'm scattered, he's not going to leave me broken? Nah, nah. He already talked about providing a way out so that you can endure it, right? This is what God has done. This is what he is doing. This isn't what I'm doing. This is what he is doing. This is a testimony, friends, family, believers, Christ followers. This is what the world needs. Accordingly, when he has received you under his protection, you have no cause to fear. I really like that. I really like, okay. Nah, I'll, I'll, I'll save that for another sermon. Accordingly, when he has received you under his protection, you have no cause to fear. Provided you depend entirely upon him. Going to move into a time of invitation. And I've got, I just got a simple question, guys. If you're standing, by whose strength do you stand? Now, let me say it this way. For the believer, the answer to that question is very, very different than for the non-believer or the seeker. And if you're here tonight, you're here tonight because there's a holy God who in his desire to introduce himself to you has orchestrated in all that is real and in reality right now, he has orchestrated everything to bring you to this moment for you to answer this question. And the question simply is this, do you believe? I ain't even talking about full understanding because that's not going to come until we're in his present. But at this point, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe that there's a God that loves you so much? And in his love for you, there was a, a relationship that was severed because of sin. And because God is right and he's true, he judges sin. And the wages of that sin were death. But God so much loves you that he's not going to lie, allow your hiccup or your misstep to stop the relationship that he desires for you. And so he sends his son, Jesus Christ. This is where it gets really, really amazing. He sends his son, Jesus Christ, to be the bridge. That is the severed relationship. Jesus actually laid down his life to be the bridge by which we can walk through and return back to God. That's crazy to me. 
So what we have inherently in the person of Jesus Christ is we have an individual who, who bore all the penalty and wrath that God would wage upon sin, and he did it for you, and he did it for me. That is to say, individually, he took all of our missteps, all of our sin, all of our stench and offense to God, all of the mud pies that we created. He took all of that. The mud pies we will create, have created, are creating now. He's taken all of that and taken on that judgment of the Father onto himself. So that this is what kills me. All we have to do is believe. And the moment we begin to believe is the moment resiliency becomes. Because by faith we understand our life is not our own. And that standing is not based on strength. But it's based in faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, somebody's here tonight that you brought and this message is specifically for them. Nah, bump that. This message is for all of us. Through your word, you've shown us that there's nothing that's uncommon that we deal with. There's no trial that's uncommon to the human condition. And this idea of being able to bounce back only comes in the fact that you transcend yourself through grace and love to make us stand for your name's sake. I don't even understand the fullness of it, but you did it. We come not to identify it because we're here. And so for that person, for that family, Lord, who is struggling, Lord, Lord, I pray that you keep working out in their life the fact that you are true, the evidence that you are real. I pray that you will allow their circumstance and situation to break them down to the end of themselves so that they will see your grace, so that they will understand the difference between themselves, their strength, and your favor and your grace. Lord God, make us resilient. So that the story we tell is not a story of our own kudos, but a story of what you've done for us. If there's one, Lord God, touch their heart in such a way to accept Jesus Christ right now as a personal Lord and Savior, to not leave this place not being resilient, but to leave this place as one who's been fortified by faith. Hallelujah, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.